Welcome to American Indian Living, a program developed by the Native Education and Health Initiative to improve and enhance the health of people throughout the Native communities. American Indian Living is hosted by Dr. David DeRose, a board-certified specialist in both internal medicine and preventive medicine. Dr. DeRose has a wide range of experience with Native health issues, and he's ready today to help you learn more about your health. Here's Dr. DeRose. Welcome to American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We've got another great show lined up here from the venue of the National Congress of American Indians. It is 2019. The month is October, and I am in an exhibit hall in Albuquerque, New Mexico, where the National Congress has been meeting for the last several days. It is continuing today. We've got a lot of activity in the booth area right now, and you can hear a lot of that enthusiastic dialogue as people are visiting around the booths. But here in our booths at American Indian Living, we've got some other great folks that are getting ready to share with us some things that they are doing in Indian country. Across from me as we begin the show is Steve Gillum. Steve, it's great to have you with us. Well, thank you. It's great to be here. Steve, many people know your name. You've been involved uh, for some time with a group called La Vida Mission. Tell us a little bit about what you do there and what the role of La Vida Mission is. I'm the director of operations, among other things, and uh, I oversee the operation of La Vida Mission, which is a school, K through 12. Uh, we run an outreach center. We have uh, clothes and food that we share with the community. We pump between three and a half and four million gallons of water a year. And there's a water station. People come in with trucks, trailers, and take water away. Uh, we have a uh, wellness center, and we take uh, health expos uh, around in the community. We've been to Wendy Rock, uh, to uh, there on the mission property itself. We've had health expos, mm -hmm. and we do so in other places as invited. White Rock Chapter, uh, Crown Point, etc. Okay, so give us a little bit of, of the lay of the land. Where is La Vida Mission in relationship to other things in the southwest? La Vida Mission is about 55 miles south of Farmington on State Highway 371. Okay, so would that be within Navajo Nation? Uh, yes, we're in the checkerboard. Okay, so basically... You folks have been running a program there for how long now? The property was secured in 1960. Mm -hmm. uh, the first school students came the school year of 62-63. Wow. So you've been a going operation for many years, making a difference in the lives of many Native youth. Is it exclusively a Native school? Uh, for a long time, uh, we only took Native students. Mm-hmm. Uh, the government wanted us to be uh, equalitarian. Okay. And so we have a, a disclaimer, but still we're primarily for Native youth. Okay. So if a, if a student who wasn't Native said this is just a tremendous school and wanted to come, you wouldn't exclude him because he was not Native? Correct. Okay. So is this a boarding school? Is it a school where, where people come just for the day? How does that work? All of our students at the present time are boarding students. Okay. 
And we've had this discussion about other places where there is, you know, we're talking about students and boarding. And, of course, in Indian country, that's a subject that brings out a lot of emotions because many boarding schools historically were not done with a mind to uh, to really helping the Native youth and especially in a culturally appropriate way. You've had a very different philosophy from the beginning at La Vida. Tell us a little bit about how you uh, respect uh, Native values and why that's so important. We think it's important. Uh, we teach our young people to be proud of their Navajo heritage. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think all of our Native students are Navajo. Uh, we, we had some Zuni mm-hmm. a couple years ago. Uh, but all I believe are Navajo now. And we have the Navajo flag. We have a group called Pathfinders, a co-ed scouting-type organization. Uh And uh, we carry the Navajo flag. Uh, We carry the U.S. flag. We marched in Veterans Parade at uh, White Rock Chapter. Mm -hmm. Uh, When we go somewhere on trips... I tell the kids, be proud. You're representing your culture. Wonderful. We teach them to sing uh-huh. uh, hymns and gospel songs, not only in English but in Navajo. And we've taught them to read scripture in Navajo as well. Now, this is one of the more interesting interfaces that I see with uh, with Levita Mission. And, of course, many people in Indian country have embraced uh, Christianity. They uh, have embraced a Christianity that they see as being totally in harmony with their their uh, native traditions and their, their native values. Of course, there are other people in Indian country that you mentioned Christianity. It's uh, to them something that was imposed by, by Europeans. And you've walked this uh, this balance, and people are, are very, uh, it seems, wherever I go and I hear about La Vida Mission, I hear positive things. Is that just because of the circles I keep? Is there a lot of tension uh, among different parties and it's very difficult to run the school because a lot of people are not supportive? Or is what I'm hearing throughout Indian country really a true representation that your school is generally appreciated uh, by tribes regardless of, of where they're located? As far as I know, we have a very excellent relationship with our community. Mm-hmm. And uh, not everyone... Uh, are Christian, as you say, uh, but people who are traditional still respect, and we respect them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, we we are uh, considered almost local. Okay, fair enough. So let's talk a little bit about the program there, because there are people that are tuning into the show, no doubt, even today, and they're saying, I'm frustrated. I, I'm Native, I live in an urban environment, my kids are maybe being bullied in the local school, or they're being talked down to because of their Native roots, and they're looking maybe for some other options. Should Levita be on their radar screen? Uh, we would welcome students to come. Now, because of our structure, usually they don't come from further away than Farmington or in eastern Arizona, uh, because uh, we have them on the weekend, one weekend a month or every three weeks or something. And as we set up the calendar, 
the other times they go home for the I weekend. See. And we have uh, transportation that goes to Crown Point, south of us, 30-some miles, mm-hmm. and transportation that goes north to Farmington. Okay. And then parents or others pick them up, and then we go on Sunday evening and bring them back from those points. Oh, well, now this is a very interesting calendar because most of the time people think boarding school, you send your kids away, you're not going to see them until, you know, the semester's over or the school year's over. But in this setting, most weekends, the students are actually home. Am I hearing that right? That's that's our current practice. Okay. So I could see where logistically, you know, someone sending their, their child from Oklahoma or the, the Northwest or the Northern Plains, this is not going to be too practical. No. But it's, it's interesting, and I think it's, uh, it to me is, is really like a hybrid because a lot of folks want that contact with their, their children, but they want to have them in a more structured environment. What are some of the things that LaVita offers as far as environment that they may not have in their own backyard, so to speak? Well, many of our kids come from an urban setting. Okay. Uh, Farmington, Shiprock. Um, some live in a rural uh, setting, but many from city. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what they have there is lots of country, lots of room. Uh, we're next to the Chaco Wash, and we're 50 miles from Farmington, 30 miles from Crown Point. Uh, we're out in nowhere. Okay, okay. And and so what do the kids do there? I mean, is it just a conventional school? They sit in class uh, pretty much all day and then uh, go back to their rooms and study? Uh, we have all the school subjects, including uh, classes and study of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also uh, have after, uh, we call it after school, but we still consider it a valuable part of their education we have other kind of classes, essential living skills. Hmm. And uh, our older students are often uh, do classes such as horsemanship, hmm. uh, a woodworking, wood shop, mechanics. Wow. Uh, uh, we we uh, think that there's other things working with one's hands mm-hmm is as important as learning with the head. I think that's tremendous because it seems that so many students grow up today without those practical skills. So that's really a priority there at LaVita. Yes, it is. How do the students respond to it, though, especially if they've come from a conventional academic setting? Are kids complaining about all the manual work they're having to do? Uh, We all work together. Wow. And uh, you will... The students aren't sent to do a job and then supervised. There's a staff member that works with them, directs, leads, uh, assists. Uh, they go to the greenhouse and they work in the garden. And there's someone there, you know, that, not saying, you know, hoe that ground or something, but mm-hmm. let's do this, and they work together. I just love that concept so much, Steve, and... I actually love the way you introduced yourself because people that know LaVita, they realize that you have more titles than just the director of operations. You're actually the uh, the president of LaVita, and I think you're also the chairman of the board. Is that true? That's true. But um, you see yourself as someone who's uh, kind of a hands-on leader. Is that safe to say? Yes. 
So is it possible if I showed up at La Vida and uh, I said, well, where's the principal anywhere? Where's uh, where's the president anyway? They say, well, that was the guy that you waved to on the tractor. Is, is it possible I might see you out doing some practical things on the campus? I I have uh, been on the tractor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I often wander around and get myself involved here or there somewhere. And I understand that's not just your philosophy. That's the whole staff's philosophy there. Yes. So they're working with the kids. They're not just telling them what to do, like you said. It's the students and the teachers working together. What kind of dynamics does that bring to the school? Uh, we have a a family atmosphere. I think mm-hmm. that's the best way to describe it. Mm-hmm. And I believe in respecting the students. I want them to learn respect for teachers, for staff, for mm-hmm. authority. But I think respect engenders respect. And so as we respect them, uh, they learn to respect themselves, each other, and staff. Tremendous. Students, no doubt, come back from time to time to La Vida. What do you hear from students? How impactful is what happens on that campus to them? I've met students. Uh, students return after having been there in the past, and generally they have a positive outlook. Mm-hmm. That's not to say we always get it right, but we try. I think it's a tremendous vision that you have there. You've got a great track record. I've heard, uh, like I said earlier, a, really a lot of positive things about Levita. Tell us if someone wants to get more information. Maybe they have a, a student they might uh, like to send there. Maybe it's a grandchild. Maybe it's a niece or a nephew. Maybe it is their own child. How would someone get more information about the school? On the Internet, uh, you can find us, levitamission.org. Uh, you can call. Our phone number is 505-786-5539. Okay, why don't you repeat that for us once more? 505-786-5539. Okay. So we've got La Vida Mission, L-A-V-I-D-A, Mission, M-I-S-S-I-O-N, of course, dot O-R-G? Yes. And then the phone number, area code 505-786-5539. Yes. Steve, thank you so much for sharing your enthusiasm about helping Native youth get a good start in life. Well, thank you. My pleasure. We have to step away from uh, our first interview because we've got some important messages. But after that, we've got some other great guests from throughout Indian country on today's edition of American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. Don't go away. More right after these messages. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call one 800 775 hope that's 1-800-775-4673 we'll be right back after this this is betty white i know you don't need one more thing to worry about but listen high blood pressure can cause kidney damage blindness heart attack stroke and you can have high blood pressure even if you feel all right one in seven adults has it but it's easy to get your blood pressure checked and you can treat it if it is too high So don't worry about it. Don't ignore it. Just see your doctor and check it out. For your free booklet, visit the Will Rogers Institute at wrinstitute.org and find us on Facebook and Twitter. Emergency medical. 
medical unit. Respond to 102 Maple Avenue. Possible stroke victim. When stroke occurs, you have 60 minutes to win or lose the race of your life. There are new treatments, but you must get to a hospital fast. If you suddenly feel weakness on one side, have trouble speaking, walking, or seeing, it could be a stroke. Call 911. Get to a hospital. Because how you spend the next 60 minutes could determine how you spend the rest of your life. Stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. A message from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders in Stroke. If you receive disability benefits, keeping Social Security informed is key. Keeping us informed minimizes the chance that we learn about something later that could negatively affect your benefits. That's the surprise no one wants because it creates overpayments that you must repay, disrupts payments, and can even jeopardize your entitlement to Social Security benefits. Learn more about reporting responsibilities for people working and receiving disability or SSI benefits by reading our online publications, Working While Disabled, How We Can Help, and How Work Affects Your Benefits at www.socialsecurity.gov pubs. Some changes can be reported online at www.socialsecurity.gov. You can also notify us at 1-800-772-1213 or contact your local Social Security office. Our goal at Social Security is to pay you the right amount on time every month. With your cooperation to keep us informed of changes, the likelihood of any unpleasant surprises that could derail your benefits will be greatly minimized. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. You are back with Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living Radio. We are here in the convention center in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Folks from all over Indian country have gathered here for the National Congress of American Indians. It is their annual meeting taking place in October of 2019. And across from me is someone who is making an impact in Indian country, not all that far from Albuquerque. It's great to have you with us, Nancy Crosby. Thank you. Nancy, you and your husband joined me not all that long ago in another venue. So some folks who've been listening to American Indian Living on a regular basis already know about you and the work that you've been doing. But tell us about you, your family, and where you're located and what you're doing in Indian country. So my husband and I live in Page, Arizona, and we are there just doing ministry. We have a community garden, and we just do other community events that um, help in Indian country. So what I've appreciated about what you folks are doing is you really uh, heard about a need there in Page, if I'm understanding the story and recalling the story correctly, and decided to relocate your yes. whole family to that part of the of the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, where were you prior to living in Page? We were in northern Minnesota. Okay, so a big change. Big change. So uh, some people would say, well, that sounds like a good change. You got away from all that snow. But having lived in Minnesota myself, you stick me in the south for too long, and I'm looking for the the snow. You don't get a lot of snow in Page, do you? No, we don't. But this um, last winter, um, we did have more snow than normal. They, okay. Some of the the natives that have lived there for years said it was the most snow in over thirty years. Wow! So we had a treat. <laughs> so you've been uh, you've been enjoying your time there. Like you said, you came to try to make a difference and and be of help. 
I know you've gotten really excited about another project. I was in a meeting actually yesterday, and this subject came up. I'll be honest with you. It was so inspiring to people that I even had a guest on my show the other day. Some folks may have heard that interview with Dr. Joni Bakavoy, and Joni was sharing her enthusiasm for what you folks uh, helped pull together in PAGE. Tell us uh, about a recent initiative that you conducted there and why it was so impactful. Well, is it okay if I just give you a little background? Please, by all means. So after moving to PAGE, my husband and I um, learned a lot more about special needs of of Native people, um, particularly we're working among um, Navajo people. Mm -hmm. And I remember one day a young man came to talk to us and he said that he was having a toothache and he really needed he really needed dental care. And so in the conversation, he told us that the next morning he would be getting up at five in the morning and start hitchhiking at five thirty to be able to get to Tuba city so that he could wait in line to get an appointment to have this tooth taken care of. And I was, you know, shocked by that fact. Well, after being there more years, I started to realize that this, seems to be a big problem, mm-hmm. um, the lack of dental care. And so, and just that thought of people having to hitchhike 65 miles to get dental care, it just, just overwhelming to me. Mm-hmm. And it's not even getting the care, it's just getting the appointment. And just huh? getting an appointment. And sometimes those appointments might be six months to a year out. Really? And hardly uh, any relief when you're having a, a toothache, Exactly. Right? Exactly. I and mean, that's the worst kind of pain, you know, that you can have. Well, we, we won't get into an argument as far as what the worst kind of pain is. But, but the point is, I, it's, it's one of those things that, uh, I'll tell you, it may seem like a small thing, but anyone who's dealt with it realizes uh, it can, can have a big impact on you. Nagging pain. just yeah. So here's the question, Nancy. You're hearing about this. You've been in Page, is it safe to say, about five years now? Yes, a little over five years. Okay, so you... You and your husband have been there. You're hearing all these folks locally, your neighbors, saying we're having trouble getting dental care. You decided to try to do something about it. Is that safe to say? Well, I have been dreaming about um, doing something. Uh And in April, I was at um, a regional ASI meeting in California. Okay. And at that meeting, I I ran into... um, a gentleman and I was talking to him about some building needs that we had in Page, mm-hmm. and he said, "We'll see what what if we can help you maybe." And a couple hours later, he came back and he said, "Hey, there's some dentists that would like to come, and we would also like to help with the building needs. Would you be willing to host a dental clinic as well?" And I was like, "Oh, you're kidding! You know, this is like amazing. This is like." a huge, huge need. And so I was so excited. Uh And so then that started the process of us helping to coordinate this event in Page. Okay. So there are folks, and in fact, I was in a a informal setting here at the National Congress uh, just the other day when a couple of uh, uh, individuals who lead organizations were talking together and they were talking about this challenge of uh, delivering services in Indian country, especially in some places where people, they may have tribal benefits, but 
their access to care is very limited. And they were talking about this idea of mobile clinics and mobile health services. And uh, one of them had some experience in delivering services that way. So basically, if I'm hearing you right, you have this vision, Nancy, to help with the dental needs in Page, Arizona. People actually come up to you like the idea is their idea. And in fact, it was, right? Exactly. Exactly. And yes. so did this actually come together or were there too many logistic challenges? Well, I will tell you that I didn't even think of those challenges at okay. the beginning. I'm just like, come, come. And they said, well, we, we would like you to, um, you know, pull all the details together for us. And I was pretty naive about what those details would, would be. Uh huh. But I'm just going to say that God made a lot of miracles hmm. to have this happen. He really did. Um, first off, once I started communicating with the dentist directly, they said, well, we need 2,500 square foot of space. We're going to bring nine dental chairs and this, that's the amount of space we need. And I, I started calculating and yes, we have a lot of space in our facility, mm-hmm. but not all at one place. And there's mm-hmm. stuff there. We're doing other, we have other community events and things that we're mm-hmm. doing so that we couldn't host the dental clinic. So I started wondering, how are we going to do this? So I contacted companies about renting a 2,500 square foot tent. Oh, wow. Yes. And at first one company said, oh, that's impossible. You'll have to go all the way to Phoenix to be able to rent a tent. So I I was very discouraged, but then I called a company in Utah Mm -hmm. and they had a 2,400 square foot tent. And, um, it was pretty expensive. So what are we talking about as far as expense? Right, We're right. like um, over $4,000. Oh, wow. And this is just for a few days or for one and day? This is just for um, two and a half days. Okay. So I just said, in faith, mm-hmm. book those dates. Book those dates. Oh, okay. So you it, have no budget for this? No. we. I didn't even know this was going to cost anything. I mean, this is some of the the naivety that I had about this project. <laughs> so dentists say they want to come and help. So you say basically, great, come and help. We'll welcome you. Yes, exactly. Wow. Okay. So now you've got right. a $4,000 bill or thereabouts that you're looking at. So what else happened from there? So then I started realizing that with that amount of dentist and dental chairs and that amount of space, that it could be very likely we would have a lot of people. Of course, that's mm. what I hoped for. And I realized we were also going to need like porta potties. So the bill starts growing. Okay. And the miracle is that, um, American Indian Living magazine sponsored the event. So they, and, they underwrote the whole, the cost of the whole event. Yes. Yes. For all of the um, rental charges, all of those things, um, the food for all the volunteers, um, mm-hmm. the the volunteers actually paid for their for their okay. food, and okay. I I cooked the food for them uh, uh-huh. with some other volunteers. So that was that was one of those other challenges that I didn't realize um, because we have limited cooking facilities. So when I spoke to the lead dentist, um, Dr. Calvin Kim from F Five Challenge, I said, I think we can only handle fifty people. And he said, oh, well, some of my events, I have like 115 people. And I said, no, this no, no. This is staff? These are yes. people staffing yes. the event? Yes, yes. Uh-huh. And so um, anyway, he called me at, I think, at the end of June. And he said, Nancy, I'm really sorry, but um, something happened with, with registration. And we have like over 100 people registered. And I know you said only 50 to 60, but 
that's how, that's how it is. I'm sorry. And so he said, you're going to have to like have two meals a day for each two breakfasts, two lunches, two suppers. And so it ended up in the end, I think we had 85 people, Mm -hmm. but it was, it was just wonderful. It was so wonderful to have all those people there, um, volunteering and working. It was an amazing event. Wow. So when did this actually happen? So it happened September 22, 23, and 24. Of 2019? Yes. Just, I mean, just happened less than a month ago. Okay. And, and for those who aren't oriented as to when NCAI took place in 2019, for those who aren't oriented about when NCAI took place in 2019, uh, we are here in October in Albuquerque. And just geographically, for people trying to place Paige, how far are you uh, from where we're at right now? About seven hours. Okay. We are going to come back with Nancy Crosby. You want to hear the amazing results of the clinic and some of the things that it's engendered, uh, some of the things that are going to be happening in Page and elsewhere as a result of this mobile dental clinic. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We're going to be back with more on today's edition of American Indian Living. Don't miss it. We'll be back up right after this. American Indian Living will continue in a moment. If you have questions or comments about today's pre-recorded broadcast, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. So, you want to be a hero. Here are some ways to get the job. Hunt down that killer shark. Or run into a burning house to save a kitten. Luckily, there's an easier way to become a hero. Call 911 if you see someone experiencing the symptoms of stroke. Sudden weakness on one side or trouble speaking, walking, or seeing. Stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. You'll be a real hero. A message from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke. Can you guess what's going on here? It's kids getting fit. Studies show that children and teens who get at least 60 minutes of physical activity a day reduce the risk of obesity, heart disease, anxiety, and increase their overall mood. So whether it's around your neighborhood or at school, just get out and play. For your free booklet, visit WRInstitute.org or call toll-free 877-957-7575 and find us on Facebook and Twitter. The Will Rogers Institute since 1936. My name is Tom Thornton. And my name is Cindy Thornton. We're retired, and this is how we live United. We decided to volunteer with United Way at our community free health clinic. United Way is how we contribute. Because we know our time and money are going to the right places. Judging by the thank yous we get at the clinic, I'd say we're doing the right thing with our retirement, too. We're Tom and Cindy Thornton. We volunteer at our community free health clinic. We don't just wear the shirt. We live it. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Diabetes affects more than 29 million Americans. If left untreated, diabetes can lead to serious health problems such as heart disease, stroke, blindness, and kidney disease. Your family's health history can be an important factor in determining your risk of developing diabetes. The National Diabetes Education Program wants to help you and your family. Do all you can to prevent or delay the onset of type 2 diabetes. Visit yourdiabetesinfo.org to learn more. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. 
Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back to American Indian Living. Dr. David DeRose speaking with Nancy Crosby about a mobile dental clinic in Page, Arizona. Nancy was sharing with us some of the amazing things that actually pulled the dental clinic together, including the sponsorship of really our parent organization, American Indian Living. The magazine and the radio all uh, come under the uh, the same corporate uh, sponsorship and heading. And uh, I'm thankful that they've uh, basically had the vision to do this radio show. If you're listening in today, you're listening only by virtue of American Indian Living and uh, all the people that have made it possible over the past 17 years. The magazine, also you may be familiar with it if you were at NCAI, you did get a copy in your admission packet, if we could call it that, your bag that they gave you. Uh, the title of this uh, particular journal, at least uh, the cover story, is called The Big Picture, and it's Volume 9, Issue 2 of American Indian Living Magazine. What's so interesting is even though this was a relatively recent event, Nancy, it was featured in American Indian Living Magazine. Yes, the deadline for the magazine was one week after the event, so I know that um, there was a lot of uh, pressure with the article and getting the pictures all sent in. That's impressive because many times there's such a, a lag time with, with magazines. That's really uh, quite an accomplishment. And by the way, if you're not familiar with American Indian Living, you can just go to AmericanIndianLiving.org and you can actually read the magazine online. You can connect with uh, this radio show as well. So a lot of opportunities for you there online. But let's come back, Nancy, to just the impact that was detailed in the magazine and that we're going to hear about now. So we were able to help over 200 people in that two and a half days. It was wow. just two and a half days. So um, some people came in and said they were afraid of dentists. Mm. And these were some of the, the kindest dentists that they Wonderful. had ever encountered. Other people had came in and said that they had relatives in the early 50s that had already had dentures mm -hmm. and that they were afraid that that was going to happen to them. But they learned about flossing and had the dental needs taken care of so that they hoped that they would prevent having to also be another person in the family to have dentures. So it, it was it really was an amazing event. What's amazing to me as you're talking about this is I think just to try to understand the scope of activities, obviously they did a lot of education, mm -hmm. but did they do, I mean, full dental services there? What all was performed? Oh, it was amazing. They were even able to do root canals. Wow, they did okay. fillings, extractions, um, uh, cleanings. Uh -huh. They had a little mobile x-ray machine. It was, it was pretty cool. Uh -huh. um, they even had a little iPad with, with something that looked like a pencil connected to it. So they could put that pencil right on your tooth and uh -huh. show you on the iPad what your tooth looked like. And, you know, I've never seen anything like oh, that. I, it was just very neat because then you're a part of what's happening to you. Mm -hmm. So they talked through. I I went in there just to see, and I had okay. a crack in one of my teeth, and they were able to show me with this iPad in front of me while they have this little pencil and take pictures what was going on in that tooth. So were they able to do anything for you? Well, I wanted to make sure that there were time for other people who have mm -hmm. bigger challenges than I do to get to a dentist. So mm -hmm. I opted to go to my own dentist to okay. have that well, taken Well, that was care. gracious. So. But they did take care of things like cracks and, yes. and other things. Yes. 
And they they did, did a lot of extractions, a lot okay, of extractions. Okay, so if someone had a bad tooth, they removed it, took care of it right there? Yes. And some people had had not had dental health care for so long that they had multiple issues that needed taken care of. So some people came back every day, three days in a row, really? wow. to have more things taken care of. And um, so it was very amazing what was accomplished so it's obvious that you were impressed with the quality of the providers. What was the response of the people who were served? The people were so happy. And in fact, some people came back and gave gifts to mm. people who were hygienists and dentists and other people involved. Um, I remember taking a picture. A lady came and brought a T-shirt back to one of the um, assistants, dental assistants, to thank her so much for what they did. I'll just tell you, I'm still hearing everywhere I go in town, in Page, there's somebody who either they or their mother, their child were treated at this dental clinic, and they're so thankful. So even even in meetings at the city, um, the economic uh, development director of Page, he asked from up front, <laughs> the meeting was totally not about health, uh-huh. and he, he wanted to know about the event. It really raised a lot of attention. This is tremendous. And just to give our listeners an idea, Page, Arizona, do we have a rough estimate of how large a um, community that is? How many people live in Page? So it's under 9,000. Okay. So 85 to 89. So when you touch 200 people, that is a significant percentage of people. And it's a closer-knit uh, town. So you yes. are going to impact, yes. really, a whole community. Right. So people said, this was great. We got all our dental needs cared for. What's going to be next? Maybe uh, orthopedic uh, providers? Is that what happened? Well, they actually were asking because, unfortunately, on Wednesday, there were people that came so early. The line was so long that by 9 o'clock, they had to say, we can't accept any more people. Oh, wow. And so the people have been questioning when are they coming back when are they coming back that's that's been the big question i had phone calls it's over and i didn't get um all the work that i needed Mm. done so is there any chance of reproducing something like this yes in fact just while um we've been here at the congress um I got a text message from Dr. Calvin Kim with F5 Challenge saying that he had been praying about this and that he wanted to commit to come and do three more dental clinics in 2020. Wow. That is amazing. It's just so amazing that these dentists are willing to pay all their travel expenses and come and do this work for free. Mm. It's just a huge blessing. Now, we've heard this thing, F5 Challenge, Dr. Calvin Kim, F5 Challenge. I've heard of it before, I'm quite sure, but I'm not sure that I know what it is. What is this F5 Challenge? So, Dr. Calvin Kim is a dentist up in Washington State, and he started this organization called F5 Challenge. So, they go and they do different um, physically challenging events like maybe climb something in Zion or um, different national parks. Um, there's five F's, and they stand for faith, fellowship, fitness, fortitude, and fun. And mm. so with this fun that they have, um, going to different places and doing these um, extreme um, fitness events, they also like to mix with it doing something um for others to express their faith. Hmm. And so this is um, 
they kind of coupled this event in Page with going to Zion National Park. Okay, well, so I'm trying to get this acronym down. Well, it's not an acronym. I guess uh, it's at least, uh, you know, five Fs. So I got the faith. That's the first one. I got the fun. That's the last one. What else is in there? Fellowship. Fellowship, okay. Fitness. Fitness, okay. And fortitude. Fortitude, like sticking with it, huh? Exactly. As I'm listening to this, I did not have an opportunity to view the event in page, nor have I yet read the story in American Indian Living Magazine. But I'm assuming this is not a group of 80- and 90-year-old dentists that have retired? No, all of these dentists were fairly young. Um, There was one older dentist with a lot of experience. Okay. But young families, they brought their little children with them, and um, they had someone especially to take care of all the children and do events with the children. Fun, faith, fitness with the kids as well. So the children were also doing activities while their parents were doing dental care. Wow. You know, I'm just thinking of all the people that listen to American Indian Living. Some may want to take part in a future event in Page. Others may want to connect with... F5 Challenge. Is that their website? Is it F5Challenge.org or .com or something? Do you know offhand? So when I got the information about um, F5 Challenge, I got it off of Facebook. Okay. So there is a, a group and a um, a page okay. for F5 Challenge on Facebook. Okay. So if you want more information about the F5 Challenge, you can go to Facebook. What about someone... Nancy, who wants to connect with you? Maybe they live in Page. Maybe they have relatives that are there. They want to get the word out. Is there a point of contact for things that are happening, either future clinics or other activities? Certainly people could call or email me. Mm -hmm. And how do we do that? So my number is 217-322-2516 or email at PUCNativeMinistries at gmail.com. Okay, so let me make sure I've got this uh, all correct. So I've got Nancy Crosby as your name. I don't need to uh, know how to spell Nancy Crosby because it's not part of your phone number, obviously, or your email address. But, Nancy, your phone number 217-322. Is it 2516? That's correct. Okay, and then the uh, email, P-U-C, as in Pacific Union Conference, right? That's correct. P-U-C, Native Ministries at gmail.com. That's correct. Okay, so if you folks want more information about what's happening in PAGE, uh, maybe you even want to uh, uh, learn how to connect with the F5 Challenge and you're having trouble connecting with it, is it safe to send them your direction, Nancy? Could you perhaps help them get connected with Dr. Kim or others? Oh, Definitely. Definitely. So as we're winding down in this segment, and those who are uh, listening in, we definitely are in an exhibit hall, and we're at a point where there's some activities happening right here in the hall. So you may be hearing a little bit more ambient noise than you've been hearing previously. But uh, what's exciting to me, Nancy, is it's not just dental clinics that are happening in Page. As a result of people getting more excited about what you and your partners have been doing, it's opening some doors for other things that you've invested in there. Tell me about the community garden and what impact that's having. So in our community garden, we're in garden, we are endeavoring to teach people 
how to eat a more healthy diet. Mm. And this goes hand in hand with dental health, as mm-hmm. um, Dr. Kim shared in the local school while he was there as well, um, about, you know, health and our te- our dental health are, go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. So with the gardening, we are, this year was um, a really good year in the garden. Um, we had some challenges, but... We had a lot of children in the garden okay. and cooking classes, teaching wow. those children how to pick and then cook the food as well. Tremendous, tremendous. So you, your husband, and you have some children involved in the equation too. How yes. big a family do you have? So we have um, three daughters. One is at home with us. One is married and lives on the reservation. Okay. And one lives in Pennsylvania, unfortunately. <laughs> okay. Well, this is just amazing. Nancy, thank you so much for taking time out of the very busy schedule here at the National Congress. Before we leave, one more time, if someone wants to connect with you, they want to know more about Page, Arizona, or some of the perhaps maybe organizing a dental clinic in their community, uh, give us that contact information again. So my number is 217-322-2516, and the email is pucnativeministries at gmail.com. So once again, it's 217-322-2516 for the phone number and Ministries at gmail.com. Nancy, thank you again. Thank you. We do have to step away, but we are not done with today's edition of American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We will be back with more right after these messages. Don't go away. Our final segment right up after this. Today's broadcast has been prerecorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. One day, I'll teach chemistry to kids. I'm going to be an architect. My dream is to be a chef. At the U.S. Department of Education's Office of Federal Student Aid, we provide more than $150 billion each year in grants, loans, and work-study funds, making higher education possible for anyone at any stage of life. I can go back to college. I can change careers. I can make a difference. Federal Student Aid, proud sponsor of the American Mind. Learn more about money for college at studentaid.gov. Diabetes is a serious disease that runs in families. If your parents or siblings have type 2 diabetes, you have a greater chance of getting the disease. If you're African American, Hispanic, or Latino, American Indian, Alaska Native, Asian American, Native Hawaiian, or Pacific Islander, you also have a higher chance of developing the disease. The National Diabetes Education Program wants to help you understand your risk. Visit the NDEP website at yourdiabetesinfo.org for diabetes prevention tools, including the Family Health History Quiz. It started off as a normal day. I felt fine when I arrived at the plant. Ruth Junius's life was about to change. Then I dropped my keys. They kept slipping out of my hand. My arm felt numb. A co-worker asked me if I was okay, and I couldn't speak. I started to get scared. Ruth was having a stroke. People around her weren't sure what to do. They thought I should go home or lie down, but I knew something was very wrong. I wrote 911 on a piece of paper with my other hand. And someone called for me. Because everyone acted quickly, doctors at the hospital were able to give Ruth treatment that started to reverse the symptoms. Within a few minutes, I was talking again. I didn't know a thing about stroke before I had one. Now I make sure that my friends and family know all the signs of stroke so they'll get help fast if they need it. No stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. 
Call 1-800-352-9424 for more information. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, National Institutes of Health. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE. 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back to American Indian Living. For our closing segment of today's edition of our broadcast, I've got another great guest in front of me. It is David Hall. He's the Tribal Nations Training Coordinator with the Center for Domestic Preparedness. David, it's great to have you with us. It's great to be here, sir. Now, some folks have a great memory, and they will say, David Hall, isn't that the fellow that did that great interview some years ago when you were at NCAI? Is it the same David Hall? It is, sir. Uh, I think last time we did this, we were in San Diego. Okay. Well, you got a better memory than me. We do a lot of live uh, events where we're interviewing folks and uh, just talking about some of the great things they're doing in Indian country. So, David, I'm glad you've stepped away from your booth because your part, you know, some people may not know your organization, but I think most everyone has heard of FEMA and uh, the U.S. Department of Homeland Security. Just tell us organizationally where the Center for Domestic Preparedness fits into that whole picture. Okay, so the Center for Domestic Preparedness is one of FEMA's training arms. Uh, so we train emergency responders from state, local, tribal, and territorial governments uh, on all hazards response. Okay. Uh, we have a lot of uh, specific areas that we focus on. Uh, mass casualty incident response for healthcare mm-hmm. providers, mm-hmm. Uh, hazmat response, uh, you know, for any hazardous materials. Mm-hmm. But we have a myriad of courses, uh, you know, over 50 different courses that we offer. And we're, we're also part of the National Domestic Preparedness Consortium. Okay. That has seven members, uh, within it. And so if we don't offer the training, chances are that one of our training partners do. Mm-hmm. And so we have no issues with referring folks to them in order to get the training that they need. Now, the sad thing that I think you and I, David, are both aware of is, well, maybe a good analogy would be there's a dangerous intersection, but until someone gets killed, no traffic lights are, are, are installed or, or other uh, safety mechanisms. Sometimes we only recognize our need for preparedness after it's too late. Speak to tribes who are listening in today speak to tribal members tribal leaders why should an individual let's say on a tribal council have your group on their radar screen so one of the things that we like to do is we like to have a couple focus groups annually where we bring in folks from the tribal nations and tell us the training goals and objectives that they have where their training gaps are uh, where their shortfalls are so that we can try and help close those those gaps and those Mm -hmm. shortfalls um the great thing about it is is more often than not, we're able to do that. And if we can't do it ourselves, again, we have numerous training partners that we can refer folks to in order to get that training. I mean, this is wonderful. So what I think I always appreciate, and I know in general people throughout Indian country appreciate when an organization is saying, we want to hear from you. What are your needs? And you are very proactive, uh, your whole department in that regard, aren't they? Yes, sir. So one of the things that we started uh, right after the San Diego interview that we did is we started doing an annual Tribal Nations Training Week mm-hmm. at the CDP. Um, the great thing about it is is we actually had 157 students show up for really? that first, wow. first uh, ever Tribal Nations Training Week. And 
the great thing about it was is the tribes recognized the ability to share information amongst each other. Mm-hmm. Quite often, tribes have the same same issues, the same uh, shortcomings, and if one tribe figures it out, it's great that they're able to share it with mm-hmm. their peers uh, in a non-threatening environment uh, where they're there to learn and to train together. This is just great. So uh, this is why it's so exciting for me to have you on the show because people heard about when this was all in the planning stages and now you're getting ready to do the fifth annual Tribal Nations Training Week. Where do these events typically take place? So we do these on the CDP campus in Anniston, Alabama. Mm-hmm. And before you think that, you, oh, well, I don't have the money to get there, it's all federally funded. So... Once you are enrolled, uh, we have a travel office that will make your airline reservations and fund them up front. Really? We have our own lodging facility, our own dining facility, and all that's provided at no cost, as is the training. Wow. Uh, we'll also pay for mileage for you to get from your home to the airport and uh-huh. back. Uh, so one round trip there and parking at the airport if you need to park. Obviously, we like folks to carpool so that it... Sure, sure. Well, this is amazing. So really... I'm getting a little bit worried. I'm just being honest with you. A lot of people listen to American Indian Living, and there's probably some people saying, well, boy, I could use a nice vacation. Alabama sounds like a nice place. In, uh, is it March, April, yeah. that window when you have it? So, so this year we're going to be doing March the 28th will be the travel day to arrive, and April the 4th will be the travel home day. Uh, and we do this from a Saturday to a Saturday. We realized uh, after the first three attempts that – uh, we always want to have a, a proper welcoming ceremony for mm-hmm. our, our tribal nation friends. Mm-hmm. And it's there's just not enough time in the day to do it all and have the full day of training on that okay. Monday. Okay. So uh, we bring folks in on Saturday. A lot of folks are traveling from very far distances. Uh-huh. Their travel day is very, very long because right, they have right. stops. Uh, but then we're able to open up. Uh, last year we opened up, and we will again this year uh, with a feast on Sunday at, okay. at lunchtime. Okay. So we had one of the tribal chaplains and attendants uh, bless the food, but uh-huh. we roasted a couple pigs. Uh, we had 80 pounds of uh, uh, cherry glazed baked salmon, and we uh-huh. had different native dishes from around the country. Okay. And so it worked out very well. And uh, uh, the only negative thing is we didn't make enough fry bread this first time around. So okay. Now we know we need to make more fry bread. So for the folks who like the pork and the fry bread that's there, and, and those who've been listening to our show for a while who are wanting to choose some of the healthier options, you've got those there, too. Yes, sir. Okay, well, this is exciting, and I'm, I'm worried, though. Okay, March 28th to April 4th, 2020, I'm saying that a little tongue-in-cheek, but if someone's just listening, they say, yeah, I'd like this free trip, you're doing some kind of vetting, right? It's not just anyone says, I want to learn about uh, disaster preparedness. Ab- absolutely. So we have a number of courses that uh, focus on the healthcare arena, uh-huh. and so one of the great things is we're able to also bring in assets from the Indian Health Service to okay. participate in this training. And we will fund them uh, the same that we do the members from the tribal nation. Um, so we've got a healthcare leadership course that deals with the interior of the hospital, uh, running it during a mass casualty incident. Uh-huh. Should there be a hazmat uh, scenario and folks need to be decontaminated before they go into the hospital, okay. we've got a class that will teach folks how to decontaminate people. Uh-huh. We've actually had uh, a number of tribes that this training has been very successful in helping them do that mm-hmm. in order to prevent from uh, from taking a hazmat uh, scenario inside of a medical treatment facility. And exposing other people to those hazardous materials, Correct. right? And then one of the one of the new things that's uh, uh, really out there is the highly infectious disease, so your mm. Ebola type stuff. Right, uh, right. How do you care for those patients? How do you isolate them? 
how do the healthcare providers go in and take care of them. And so we've got a class that's going to focus on that. This year, uh, we've also got an environmental health training and emergency response, which deals with all uh, your shelter operations, uh, your food preparation, your water purification, uh, all those types of things that people need during a disaster. Wow. This is just very comprehensive. So I'm listening to the fact that there are multiple tracks. Is that right? That is correct. And so five of these tracks will end up doing a large-scale exercise at the end of the week. Okay. So they have to work together in order to accomplish. Now, they're going to have a little bit more thrown at them because we will have a hazmat scenario in there. We're also going to have an active shooter scenario oh, wow. in there. And we'll also have a highly infectious disease scenario thrown in there. Mm-hmm. So in order to help relieve a little bit of pressure from the, the interior of the hospital, uh, we're also going to bring in one of our other training partners, the National Disaster Medical Services, uh, NDMS, to come in and set up a field hospital. Uh, but most of the tribes have never been exposed to what the capabilities of an NDMS team is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so this will be an opportunity for them to learn about that as well. Wow. So that when they have a, a balloon festival or a big powwow, uh-huh. uh, that if they think that they need additional medical support, that maybe they can reach out to the NDMS teams for that. Wow. This is just some great messaging. So... We're here in Albuquerque. It's October of 2019. We're talking about your next event that's coming up in 2020. Yes, sir. So it's going to be, again, those dates, March 28th to April 4. How does someone get a hold of you or your team if they want to register? They can either call me, and my direct line number is 866-213-9548, or they can email me at david.hall, it's H-A-L-L, at fema.dhs.gov. Okay, so you your direct line is a toll-free number. Yes, sir. So 866-213-9548. And then the email again, david.hall at fema, F-E-M-A, dot D-H-S dot gov. Have I got that? Yes, sir. So one last question. I know our time is rapidly slipping away, but David... There's got to be some qualifications for someone to come through the program, right? It can't just be anyone who's interested. So there are some prerequisites. Uh, All of those prerequisites can be met uh, by completing courses online, but you need to be an emergency responder that's active uh, in your your community. Okay, okay. Well, thank you so much for this uh, this very vital information. You've been listening to uh, David Hall, our concluding guest, on today's edition of American Indian Living. Hopefully you've enjoyed today's show. One more time, if you've been struggling to find a pen, that toll-free number for David, 866-213-9548. That's probably the single uh, best way to access him. And uh, hopefully some of you will make that trip out to Alabama and join in in the 5th Annual Tribal Nations Training Week. Our time has just slipped away from us, but hopefully today's show has made a difference for you, given you some new outlooks on things that can make a difference for you, your family, and your tribe. For all of us at American Indian Living, I'm Dr. David DeRose, wishing you the very best of health. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.